Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, it appears that in many parts of the country, the Omicron variant surge of COVID-19 has already peaked. Is it still something we need to worry about, or have we reached a turning point in the pandemic? We speak with Hancock Public Health Commissioner Kareem Baroudi. Also this morning, it's a vacation option that has exploded in popularity over the past couple of years. Now the online platform for all things camping, CampSpot, has introduced their first ever awards for the best places to discover, whether you're a first-timer or a seasoned pro. And getting back to nature can be as easy as taking a trip to your local park. We have details on programs and activities in the month of February from the Hancock Park District. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, January 25th, 2022. So the big story uh, that uh, got folks buzzing, I guess, yesterday afternoon in an apparent hot mic moment yesterday, President Biden called Fox News reporter Peter Ducey a stupid SOB. It... (laughs) It happened on a White House uh, as a White House event on lowering the price of consumer goods wrapped up and reporters were kind of leaving. The, the event was pretty much over. And uh, uh, Peter Ducey uh, shouted out a question for the president. Do you think inflation is a political liability in the midterms? <laughs> which uh, which Biden responded sarcastically in a low voice. No, it's a great asset. More inflation. What a stupid SOB. Only he didn't say SOB. He actually, you get the idea. So uh, apparently he didn't, uh, the president didn't think that the mics would pick that up. And of course they did. Peter Ducey said on Fox last night that the president had called to make amends, saying uh, the president told him it is nothing personal. Um, And uh, Ducey further said that President Biden, quote, cleared the air, and I appreciate it. We had a nice call, is how he uh, termed it. So, I mean, on the one hand, um, (laughs) he said it's nothing personal. I don't know. It's nothing personal. But on the other other hand, you can understand the uh, president's frustration. I mean, it's kind kind of a dumb question. Do you think... Inflation is a political liability in the midterms. Well, duh. <laughs> so you can kind of see where the president was a little frustrated uh, with the uh, question. But still, seems like every seems like every president has a hot mic moment at one point in their uh, presidency. I don't know why that is, but it seems like every president has one of those uh, situations. Some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started. The first things that you need to know this morning, we are almost to the end of dry January. Have you been participating in this? We were talking about it a couple of weeks ago on the program. The uh, challenge is nearly at an end here. Just a few days left. If you have been feeling better and want to continue the alcohol free lifestyle, experts have some suggestions as to how to do that. Dr. Dr. Dawn Sugarman A psychologist first says you should make a pros and cons list. Think about why you want to cut back on your alcohol consumption and what you do not enjoy about drinking. And then you should also consider the reasons you do like drinking and think then think of other ways to get to those points without alcohol. 
She also recommends having a plan for social situations where ordering an alcoholic beverage would be expected if you're out at a bar with friends watching the game, watching the big game or whatever. You're kind of expected to have a drink in your hand. Uh, Dr. Jamil Wacom Fleming, a liver specialist, says you should talk to your social group or family members about your plan to cut back. Don't keep it a secret. She says you don't even have to completely cut out alcohol to get the good effects. If you could just minimize the amount you drink, it's going to give you a benefit. For example, if you used to drink three glasses a night, maybe just do two. Or if you drink every day, cut it back to every other day, at least for starters. And then you can see where you're at, maybe scale it back more or what have you. Any amount of restraint, I guess, any amount that is less than before is uh, is an improvement. So something to uh, think about. It was a dry January. So we're going to talk a little bit about this uh, here later on in the uh, in the program. But uh, the word is that the Omicron variant may have peaked in this country. Certainly in some parts of the country, they're seeing a decline in cases and they're thinking maybe this has peaked, whether or not that means the pandemic as a whole has peaked finally we've turned the corner i guess that remains to be seen but one thing we do know is that this pandemic has been a stressful difficult time for many many people and a new study finds that for adolescents and teens those between the ages of 11 and 14 in particular Positive relationships with parents, participation in family activities and exercise, and improved sleep protects against stress, anxiety, and depression. On the flip side, increased screen time on social media and video games and uh, that kind of thing has a negative effect on the mental health of kids in this age group. So think about that as we have gone over the past couple of years, how we have dealt with the pandemic. Additionally, the study shows that adolescents and teens who entered the pandemic with pre-existing mental health or sleep problems appeared to be particularly vulnerable to the potential negative effects of the public health crisis. The co-author of this study, Dr. Nora Volkow, says this is important now as we continue to grapple with the pandemic and also in future crises at the local or national level. So something to think about with respect to the impact all of this has had on our kids. Interesting. And a couple of other stories here with respect to, actually, they, they both have a sort of a pandemic overtones to them. You know how we have been working from home or working in a hybrid mode over the past couple of years. And uh, there is now a trend or, or a startup, an, an internet startup, called space-time monotasking that is aiming to change the paradigm once again of how we work and go about our daily lives. Multitasking has been sort of the big buzzword, and uh, the people behind this startup 
say that it is time to rethink that and go back to monotasking, which is exactly what it sounds like, working on a single idea, a single task, a single project for a clearly defined amount of time. You do one thing, you do it well, you move on, as opposed to trying to uh, keep uh, several irons in the fire all at once. Space-time monotasking encourages users to monotask while sharing a Zoom call with 4 to 12 strangers at a, at a time. It is the opposite of multitasking, which used to be highly valued in the job market, but has a trip been attributed to burnout and lowered productivity in recent years. Most of those who use space-time monotasking are freelancers or self-employed people who enjoy having the gentle pressure of having to follow up with a group after an hour or two. And though monotasking is not for everyone, the American Psychological Association has found that stress has been heightened for employees across all professions and that the stressors causing burnout are unlikely to subside anytime soon. Anna Pugh is the founder of space-time monotasking. She says, work is taking up so much space in your brain and you're building it into this whole big thing rather than just buckling down and doing it. And so that's basically... What we're giving people a space to do is just come and do their work and be done with it. Uh, It maybe feels a little scary, but that's why you get on this Zoom call with multiple strangers to keep you on track with your monotask. Maybe it feels a little scary, but this is like a gentle hand-holding, she says. I don't know, just something to, uh, to think about. I don't know that you necessarily need... To do uh, do it with a uh, Zoom call, but I like the idea of focusing on one thing, doing it, getting it done, and then moving on rather than trying to uh, juggle all those balls all at once. It doesn't seem like a uh, way to do that. And here's the thing. This maybe is related to that in on some level. If you are... If you want to feel fulfilled at work, you should make a concerted effort to feel fulfilled at home, if you know what I mean. A recent study. (laughs) A recent study finds that having an active sex life could lead to increased job satisfaction at work. What is this now? Now have I got your attention. Uh, Researchers concluded that people who prioritize their love lives at home... Head, to the, head into the workday with more enjoyment and more focus the following day. The uh, study was conducted by the College of Business at Oregon State University. Keith Levitt, an associate professor, is the lead author of the study, said he and his team studied 159 married couples over the course of two weeks and asked them to fill out two surveys each day. They found that the positive qualities... Following an uh, evening of fun included a better mood that stretched into the following day, more sound sleep, and of course, higher marital satisfaction in general, which in turn tends to make people happier. Researchers say that intimacy releases dopamine and uh, oxytocin into the brain, which improves mood and makes people feel better about themselves, and more bonded to their partners. So, I think that may be the best news of the day. So you want more satisfaction at work? More satisfaction at home, as it were, is the key. 
Now that's some important news to get your Tuesday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, sunny early today, then clouding up with a high of 20. It'll feel even colder with the wind chill. Partly cloudy tonight, a low of zero with a wind chill of 10 below. Traffic fatalities increased significantly in Ohio in 2021. Last year, 1,361 people died from traffic crashes in Ohio, which is a 10% increase from the previous year. Lieutenant Matt Crow is commander of the Finley Post of the Highway Patrol. We just want to remind drivers that when they're out on the roads, watch your speed, pay attention to your surroundings. Don't be distracted by anything in your vehicle or electronic devices. And speaking of being safe on the roads, the Ohio Department of Transportation is reminding drivers to give their snow plows plenty of room to work during snow events. ODOT says 17 of their plows have been struck this winter, with number 17 happening on Monday. ODOT is hoping drivers remember the phrase, don't crowd the plow, when they come across a plow doing its job. One of the most unique pieces on display at the Hancock Historical Museum is the captain's bathtub from the USS Maine that sunk in the Havana Harbor in 1898. Joy Bennett, curator at the Hancock Historical Museum, says people come specifically to see the tub. A couple years ago, there was a guy on Jeopardy who one of his fun facts was that he liked to go to small museums and see their most obscure items. And he specifically mentioned coming to Finley to see the bathtub. So I kind of want to have it as featured on Jeopardy. And you can see the historic bathtub when the museum reopens in February. See pictures of it and learn more about it on our website. The Red Cross for a few weeks now has been experiencing a national blood crisis with supplies at dangerously low levels. Jim McIntyre with the Red Cross of Ohio is urging people to set up an appointment to donate by visiting redcrossblood.org or by calling 1-800-RED-CROSS. Or download the Red Cross Blood app. Not only can you make your blood donation appointment on your phone, but the Blood app will keep track of the donations you make and will tell you where your donation goes to let you know how it's helping a patient in a hospital. There are some local blood drives coming up this week, and we have those listed online. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. First up, our cover story this morning. It appears that in many parts of the country... The Omicron variant surge of COVID-19 has already peaked. What about locally? Hancock Public Health Commissioner Kareem Baroudi is with us this morning. Again, the national narrative seems to be that this has come and go gone. Well, maybe not gone, but it has come and peaked relatively quickly. What are we seeing locally? Yeah, good morning, Chris. Um, locally, actually, um, I'm, I will be more than glad to report this morning that we peaked probably over the weekend. Um, and I uh, watched the numbers here for the last couple of days, um, coming down from uh, 365 new cases on January 15th mm-hmm. uh, to 200 cases on January 20th, um, 72 cases um, on Sunday, and yesterday we added 39 cases. So that's a pretty dramatic, a pretty uh, dramatic drop, drop as well, and that's what we've seen, you know, across the the state and across mm-hmm. the country, uh, country as well. Now, do we know that that's uh, primarily Omicron, or I mean, there's also the Delta variant that is still uh, floating around out there. Uh, are we able to delineate what variant we're talking about in in those cases? Yeah, you know, more than 95 percent of um, the cases we've had the last few weeks are are Omicron, mm-hmm. um, and that's the the uh, 
um, the variants that's spreading here in Ohio and across the nation. So very little Delta maybe, but um, but Omicron is, is the most. For the, for the most part, the other uh, storyline in the uh, Omicron variant is that for the most part, particularly for those who have been vaccinated, uh, it has been relatively mild. And uh, is, is that something of a blessing in disguise uh, that uh, this is something that spread fairly rapidly, not as serious as maybe some of the other variants uh, in many cases, and has provided some level of natural immunity for folks? Absolutely. This is an excellent point. Uh, we've seen more, the Omicron you know, surge here locally affecting mostly the unvaccinated, mm-hmm. where nine out of 10 people in the hospital are not vaccinated, uh, not boosted. Um, it's definitely, um, you know, the vaccine made a difference with that variant. Um, and, um, you know, when, when a virus will hurry up and start, you know, uh, making up variants to, 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 uh, uh, to spread a little faster, it will right. become a little, uh, a little weaker. Mm-hmm. Um, and it will affect, you know, the healthy and the vaccinated amongst us the least. To to that end, uh, that's the other part of the uh, of the narrative, the storyline that we're hearing on the national level is that obviously this is not going to be the last variant we will see. I mean, I think everyone believes that we're going to continue to see uh, different variants of this. But does this indicate that the uh, that the additional variants we may see down the line? Uh, will also be relatively mild or they will be progressively milder or is it too early to say that? I think too early to say that about about um, this coronavirus or, or the COVID that we've been experiencing here for almost two years. Um, but um, but from the trends uh, and what it's looking like, it's every every variant is coming up. It's it's a little weaker than the one before, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we have better ther- therapeutics. We we can deal with it a little better. Uh, we know how uh, what to expect now. I think we're better prepared with every surge now. Um, the strategy moving forward is going to be a little different than what we started, you know, back in 2020. Right. Um, you know, uh, from contact tracing to notification to being sick and staying home for a few days, shake it off and, 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 and go back, do the right thing. Um, vaccination is should be the number one strategy now moving forward and the boosters. Well, and that uh, actually leads to the other point. And uh, again, there seems to be this um, this narrative that is picking up steam that perhaps we are uh, turning the corner with respect to the pandemic. And as we as we mentioned, everybody expects this to become endemic, something that we will have to to deal with seasonally, especially moving forward. But are we at that point where we're kind of turning the corner? of the pan pandemic uh part of this uh to something that we no longer have to be really fearful of every time a new variant pops up from all the indicators that we've been watching the last two years it looks like we are at that point it's an inflection point like i said moving forward we want to make sure we take care of the people who are who get a really bad who are um end up in the hospital so on and so forth like any other illness at this point. And I know that uh, you are in uh, constant contact with the uh, hospital healthcare mm-hmm. uh, uh, officials and and so on. Again, there was there were reports that, you know, beds were at a premium, that the hospital was filled uh, and so on. Where do things stand right now? You know what I told you about the last 3 days how we're dropping fast. Mm-hmm. Um, the hospitalization is a lagging indicator. 
and it's a delayed one. So it might take a couple more uh, days here or maybe by the end of the week to start seeing an improvement on that front. Okay. Uh, but our hospitalization is still up high. But hopeful that that will uh, come down and, and uh, come into line. And uh, along those same lines, Again, if we are at that point where we're turning the corner and starting to think about this a little bit differently, does that mean that we maybe the the, the, the number of cases per se, I mean, I know you always track those, you track those with everything, whether it's mm-hmm. uh, COVID-19 or the seasonal flu or what have you, or the, or the measles, uh, you, you're going to track these cases, but is that the number that the public should be uh, necessarily focused on, or should we be looking more directly at at things like hospitalizations and deaths and things like that. Yes, I think moving forward, we're not going to focus on the thousands of cases that we've got the last couple of weeks here. Mm-hmm. We want to focus on uh, on the people who ended up in the hospital, find out why, how the vaccinated you know individuals, the boosted individuals fared better mm-hmm. with this uh, with this variant. Um, focus on that and and pe- you know um, give people the right information on what to do to protect them themselves from ending up in that situation. But moving forward. Numbers are going to become numbers yeah. at this point. That, and along those same lines, uh, with that in mind, as we said, you track everything, not just COVID-19, but also things like seasonal flu. Mm-hmm. And as we turn the corner, you start to uh, turn attention to things like flu vaccinations and you know the common things that we hear about uh, this time of year. And making up for some lost time with respect to uh vaccination schedules that maybe got disjointed over the past couple of years, particularly with children. Yeah, every time we take a break from this, you know, the last two years, uh, we need to catch up on a lot of the other stuff, you know, back to school immunization, the flu, um, you know, infectious disease that are going on, um, our restaurants inspections. We have tons of stuff to, to deal with. Um, our chronic disease, you know, obesity, you know, heart disease and everything else. Mm-hmm. So we're looking forward, you know, as as a health department and, and as public health to go back and focus on those initiatives and those issues that are uh, that are uh, concerning our, our population. So overall, pretty encouraging news with respect to uh, all of this, where we are now, where it appears that we are trending. Absolutely. Better news. We're not in a good place yet. I don't want everybody to kind of prematurely say, okay, it's over. Mm -hmm. Uh, Please keep taking your precautions. Number one strategy should be vaccination. Boosters, they're available. We have walk-in clinics. They're available everywhere. Um, Please, I encourage everyone to take take their boosters, take their shots, um, and be protected. Be careful. But the... the not over yet, but the light at the end of the tunnel is getting brighter. So, we, Yeah, I think we see it. <laughs> that's, that's the best news of all. Again, Hancock Public Health Commissioner Kareem Baruti with us uh, this morning. Kareem, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate Thank it. Thank you, Chris. Well, in honor of Plan for Vacation Day, CampSpot, the leading online marketplace for RV resorts, family campgrounds, cabins, glamping options, and more is honoring and celebrating the best of camping this year with their first annual Camp Spot Awards. And joining us is the CEO of Camp Spot, Michael Scheinman. And uh, Michael, obviously camping has just exploded in popularity over the past couple of years, particularly with the pandemic. People have discovered camping uh, and, and put their own spin on it uh, here of late. Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. People either discovered or rediscovered camping as they were looking for alternate ways to enjoy travel and see loved ones during the pandemic. I mean, this is 
an activity that's largely outdoors where you really have more control over your environment and it, it offered a safer alternative. But what's maybe more surprising is that now, even as traditional travel becomes, you know, gets get back to some semblance of normalcy, we're not seeing the demand for camping slow down one bit. We actually expect 2022 to be an even bigger year for the industry. And People just got that taste for the outdoors and they want more. Yeah. Like we said, what's what I find to be really interesting is the way uh, people are, as we said, putting a, a different kind of a modern spin on it, if you will. What are people looking for in their camp? There are traditionalists, I'm sure, but then there are those yeah. who are looking for something a, a little different than maybe a generation or two ago uh, when it comes to, quote unquote, <laughs> roughing it. So what are people looking for uh, in their campsites, in the places they go to stay? Yeah, so it's a little easier to rough it when you have a nice shower and bathhouse uh, located at the campground um, to clean up. And, and that's the number one most requested amenity when you survey campers. Uh, followed closely by activities for families. A lot of people are bringing their kids and they want to make sure that the kids are occupied with things like water activities, um, sometimes events and, and concerts that a lot of the campgrounds will host. So I would say that we're really seeing a blurring of the lines between the traditional camping experience and a more luxurious, full-service, resort-style experience at a lot of these campgrounds. Yeah, the kind of uh, glamping option that we were uh, mentioning. So these first annual Camp Spot Awards, What first off, what makes for a Camp Spot Award winner? What are you looking for in general here? So Camp Spot is the largest booking platform for private campgrounds and RV parks in North America. We've got over 140,000 campsites that are all instantly bookable. And this year, we wanted to highlight some of the best in various categories, like um, best for families, best for first-time campers, best design, etc. And so what we did was we curated these lists of campgrounds in each category and had a panel of industry expert judges help us pick the very best. So as an example, one of the top campgrounds that is not too far from, um, from, from your listeners would be the Sun Outdoors Petoskey Bay Harbor in northern Michigan. This is going to have all the amenities that you'd expect from a traditional resort um, and is in a prime location for exploring the beach or the downtown area or, or something else beyond um, the campground itself. And so that's an example of the type of quality and, um, and uniqueness that we're highlighting with these awards. So what are some of the other uh, award winners or some of the ones that uh, stand out across a uh, number of different categories, as you mentioned? Yeah, so one of the ones that I really want to check out this year is called the Angel Fire RV Resort in the mountains of northern New Mexico. It's got some great full hookup RV sites, so you can kind of get the traditional camping experience, but then it's also got uh, resort-style amenities like a golf course, swimming pool, full-service restaurant and bar. And, and so hmm. um, that, that's one of our most popular campgrounds overall. Um, and, and there's a variety of others, whether it's, you know, again, best for families, best campsites, um, best first-time camper experience. Yeah. So definitely 
check out the point list of award winners on our website. Now, you mentioned, I want to mention the uh, best campgrounds, the top campgrounds for first timers, because as we're talking about this, and as you said, you expect to see even more folks out there camping in the coming year. So as we're planning for vacation here today, uh, there is actually one at the number two uh, campground for first timers is actually not all that far away from our area as well. The Sun Outdoors Lancaster County in Pennsylvania. What makes that one stand out or what makes a good campground for a first timer stand out? Yeah, great question. So campgrounds like the Sun Outdoors Lancaster County are so good for first timers because they've got They've got glamping style cabins as an option, um, which is going to have more of the traditional hotel experience, you know, electricity, Wi-Fi, uh, in-suite bathrooms, things like that. Um, but it also has access to the great outdoors and, and it's accessible from a major metro area. So there's lots of campgrounds like that, which, um, don't really require you to sacrifice any comfort or luxury but give you all the benefits of exploring the outdoors with camping. And and that's really a highlight for first-time campers. So for those who are thinking of planning a camping vacation, what are some of the, especially for those who maybe haven't done it before or haven't done it for a long time, what are some of the tips that you can offer to make the most of that camping vacation? My, my first tip would be to book early. That surge in popularity cuts both ways, and we're already seeing increases of close to 50% in reservations on the books for 4th of July and Memorial Day. So book early to make sure you, you're able to lock in your spot. And the second thing I would say is, even though when a lot of people think of camping, they immediately go to state parks or national parks, those are great camping destinations. But if there isn't anything available, Sometimes right outside of those state parks or national parks, you'll find a wonderful private campground that might even offer a more uh, luxurious experience like some of the campgrounds I described. Again, Michael Scheinman is CEO of Camp Spot. They are out with their first annual Camp, Camp Spot Awards for the best in camping across the country. The other thing, and just as a sidebar on all of this, the other thing that I notice is that a lot of these places are kind of off the beaten path. You can certainly camp near a traditional resort area, but this is a great uh, place, if uh, great way to go if you're looking for something that may be uh, you know, a bit off the radar. Definitely. Yeah. So where do we get the full list of all of the award winners that folks may want to check out uh, sometime here in the near future on their next camping adventure? So we have the full list of award winners on our website at campspot.com. That's C-A-M-P-S-P-O-T.com or on our mobile apps, which you can download from either of the major app stores. We're just really eager to help people get out and enjoy the outdoors and looking forward to helping your listeners plan their next camping adventure. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. And uh, today we have uh, mostly international uh, broken news in the uh, headlines. The one domestic story that we have comes from California, where the California Highway Patrol... Um, busted a driver uh, in Bakersfield and uh, really 
this, you know, officers routinely make traffic stops that turn into something bigger. This happens all the time. You know, a simple traffic stop uh, ends up in a pot bust or, or something like that. Well, in this case, uh, the stars really aligned because uh, officers stopped a driver in Bakersfield, found hundreds of pounds, hundreds of pounds of illegally processed marijuana in this guy's uh, car. The car was towed. The driver arrested. What made, what makes this worthy of the broken news is that the stop was made on uh, Stoner Drive. <laughs> right there on Stoner Drive in Bakersfield. So, of course, there's hundreds of pounds of marijuana in the car. It just the stars aligned. So it is. To the international file, uh, this from uh, Great Britain, uh, people who uh, shop at a couple of uh, local grocery store chains uh, are being, or one of those big box store chains, not necessarily grocery stores, but one of those uh, stores, like we have Walmart, Costco, places like that. Uh, This is the British version. People who shop at these stores being urged to check if they have bought uh, some rare house plants that could actually be worth a small fortune. MyLondon.com reporting that some supermarkets and DIY chains stock naturally occurring variations of some common houseplants. These versions can sometimes be extremely valuable. Uh, Some of the plants sold for around $13 could actually, uh, shoots of them can go for hundreds of dollars online. So uh, examples uh, include the uh, variegated Monstera Deliciosa, the variegated Monstera uh, Aden, Adensani, the Philodendron White Princess or White Knight, the Pink Princess Phil, uh, Philodendron, and the Monstera Obliqua. number of stores sold these for like 13 bucks, and you can take shoots of these and make a small killing online. So, I don't know. I just thought that was uh, kind of interesting. I don't know that they're asking them to return them. They're just saying these are actually more valuable than... It's not like they stole them or anything. And I'm interesting. Uh, this from uh, Japan, where if you are 70 years old, if you're getting up there in age, probably best not to tangle with a group of angry bikers. <laughs> Kazuro Okamoto, the uh, president of a Japanese transportation company, is currently recovering from a broken face. And he's the one that end up, ended up getting arrested. The incident occurred earlier this month when Mr. Akimoto became enraged after being stuck in traffic behind a pack of bikers and gradually started driving closer and closer to the bikers' uh, tail. And uh, the bikers uh, naturally were upset about being tailgated and confront- confronted Mr. Akimoto uh, about his uh, his driving skills, things escalated until a brawl broke out between the 70-year-old and about a dozen bikers, uh, angry bikers. Uh, the, the next day, as police were investigating this assault, four men among the bikers uh, were arrested for assaulting Mr. Akimoto, but they claimed that he swung first. And after interviewing witnesses, it turned out that, yes, he swung first. (laughs) A few days later, police took Mr. Akimoto into custody for assault after he punched a 48-year-old woman uh, in the the group in the head. After reviewing the footage 
uh, from uh, dash cameras and speaking to witnesses, he was charged with obstructive driving, driving the legal term for road rage related uh, road rage relate road rage related reckless driving in Japan. So <laughs> he he picked a fight with a bunch of bikers. Did not end well. Not a smart thing to do. Uh, let's see. And uh, how about this in the uh, broken news? You know how people often dream about getting rich and one man in uh, South Africa is seeing red after realizing that that could have been his life, a life of luxury, had he not been switched at birth. According to news reports, Robin Dawkins was raised by a single mom in poverty, but he learned recently that life didn't have to be that way. He discovered that he was accidentally swapped with uh, this woman's biological son in the hospital. To add insult to injury for Robin, both families, upon learning many years ago that what had happened, decided to keep the children they already had. <laughs> he said, Robin said, wait a minute. This, the, the other couple, uh, the discovery came apparently... Uh, after the wealthier set of parents had a paternity tiff and soon learned that their son, Gavin, was not their biological son. Uh, Since only two babies were born at the hospital on that day in February of 1989, they were able to put two and two together and learned that the uh, pair had been switched. Uh, But uh, in 1991, when the error was discovered both mothers decided to keep the children they were already raising (laughs) now robin says wait a minute (laughs) i i resent this uh the other kid gavin is pleased as punch that he was raised by an affluent family and has no sympathy for robin whatsoever saying i thank my lucky stars every day uh it would be very different but at the same time i was given a life which i've now lived and i'm still living and i don't regret anything I can see where this guy would be upset. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. There you go. Uh, Today's uh, broken news report. Just weird and unusual stuff uh, this morning. Uh, Is brought to you as a public service, more or less, by Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Omicron. What's the real story? We keep getting mixed signals. We're told it's not nearly as dangerous as the other variants. Then we're told hospitals are filled. We're told we have to get vaccinations, but even if we do, we're told we have to wear masks. So what's the real deal with Omicron? Is it dangerous? Are the vaccines effective against it? And how contagious is it? You want answers? We'll continue to provide you the information you need. 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. And now, your daily download. The numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. So, uh, in honor of Plan for Vacation Day, as we were talking about earlier, and earlier we were talking about uh, turning, maybe turning the corner on this uh, pandemic, new survey finds that when the COVID-19 pandemic is over, whenever that will be, we are ready as Americans to splurge on some serious fun. Survey of 2000 adults commissioned by Alliant Credit Union showed 70% of Americans plan to make up for lost time with their finances. Uh, 84% plan to throw money around freely. All of the money that they have socked away 
that they weren't spending while events were canceled and we weren't traveling and restaurants were closed and all of that. We're just we're going to blow it all. Thirty one percent said they plan to spend money on experiences. One in four want to splurge on material things. Specifically, over the next decade, 44% of those in the survey say they want to travel more. 40% plan to spend more on home goods and home improvement. 38% on consumer electronics, buy that new stereo or big screen TV. 37% plan on eating at restaurants more when the pandemic is in the rearview mirror. Good news for restaurants who continue to struggle. Break it down by demographic. This is kind of interesting. 59% of Gen Zers, uh, young adults between 18 and 24, are planning to spend in the near future. 45% of their millennial counterparts said the same. But it's interesting. Gen Xers, uh, adults between 41 and 56 years old, are actually planning to be tighter with their money than will baby boomers. Maybe because the theory is, Uh, Gen Xers still have long-term goals they have to think about, retirement and so on, while baby boomers, after what they've been through in the pandemic, those above age 57, uh, instead have a you-can't-take-it-with-you mentality (laughs) brought on by the pandemic. They plan to splurge even more on leisure items and opportunities, within a budget, of course, but still, (laughs) you can't take it with you, so we may may as well splurge. I like that idea. Hey, the one thing we've got to talk about here this morning when we talk about uh, things going on to the parks is snow. I know. We've got <laughs> snow. Uh, Michelle Roomslag is here from the uh, Hancock Park District. Uh, talk about primarily stuff coming up in the uh, in the next month. Hard to believe. That, I know, right? You know, on the one hand, today is uh, January 25th. Yes. So it's just one month past Christmas. And it seems like Christmas right? is so long ago. This month has just dry. dry it up. is. On the other hand, you say we're just a week away from February, and right. my goodness, it's I February still just, already. I just still got down some of my trees. To be honest, <laughs> I have a snowman tree. I celebrate snowman season, so actually, it got cut a little early. I usually, it's up like all of January, but. <laughs> Uh, so I know you're excited. We've got snow. Right. That means maybe, maybe. cross-country skiing. Yes. But so there's still an if on that. I still need to, right, to kind of still need to assess and really see what happens throughout the week. So, you know, we had our snow Sunday and what we got yesterday. Um, I'm, I'm talking with people out at Riverbend. I still need to kind of go check to see what's happening. Okay. Now, now temperature-wise, we look like we're. it's going to be cold. It's not going to melt. So right. we have that. And maybe a little more, you know, dusting later on. So it really just kind of depends what happens, um, you know, and if we have enough. So, it's Because it's the first time we're going to be doing it. So you might go, well, I've got plenty in my yard. Well, Riverbend's different. It's a lot of it's out in the open. Some mm-hmm. of it's not. You know, it gets windy. And we, you know, we want it to be a good experience. So yeah. so you got to have that base. We have to have that, that base. So, stuff. I mean, yeah. if it were like, hey, we're going to get, you know, two or three more inches on Thursday, then, and then we'd probably be good for sure. But again, yeah. it's still a maybe. You know, we need to kind of just and really just watch to see what happens throughout the week yeah. because we and don't want sunshine. you to go out. Right. You, that's and the sunshine, true. too, because even, even if, if it's, it's cold, cold, it's it still will melt. We don't want you to it. get out there and not have snow to ski on right. or because everybody's been out there. You're hitting the grass and it so, ruins the equipment, too. So if uh, if folks are interested in uh, doing yes. some cross-country skiing and you've got the Learn to Ski workshops and, and so on, yes. so when will we know and how do people... 
we'll definitely get it out on our Facebook page okay. and probably contact like the radio stations and stuff. And really, once we know for sure, okay, conditions aren't going to change and we know we have enough, we'll definitely get that information okay. out there for everybody. But right now, I think we're still on a wait and see because it's only Tuesday. We just don't know yeah. what it, it's looking. So, obviously, more promising. Yeah, yeah, right, uh, right. I mean, uh, but we still just we've have, got snow on the ground. We have so snow that's on the ground, but a lot can happen between now and really, you know, Friday. You know, mm-hmm. to see what what's going to happen. Okay. So just kind of watch so, our Facebook, or you can always call the office, but they might tell you it's a wait and see, really, till later in the week. Okay. So uh, cross our fingers for that. In yes. the meantime, looking ahead to February, what's going on in the uh, uh, parks? Well, we got lots of th- things happening. So um, if you can't get out and ski, you can definitely still get out and hike. And so on Tuesday, February 15th, uh, we're having a senior bird hike. So this is going to be out at Oakwoods Nature Preserve at 9 in the morning. And so it's for um, kind of going with 50 north you know, ages. We want you to be 50 and up. Um, to come out and take one of our, um, you know, bird hikes. So we still have birds out in mm-hmm. winter that stay, you know, year round. Your blue jays, your cardinals, um, woodpeckers, variety of sparrows. And so, again, if you don't have um, binoculars, we have some of that that you'll be able to, you know, borrow from us. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got our hike. And then if you want to hang around, um, we also do Project Feeder Watch there that, that you can do inside our Discovery Center. And help count afterwards. So again, no registration. Just need to show up. Obviously, dress for the weather. So that is Tuesday, February fifteenth. Our senior okay. bird hike. All right. For all everybody else, actually including our seniors, we're going to have um, a full moon hike on Wednesday, February sixteenth. Um, no, I saw the moon. Was it Saturday night? And it was, of course, getting. Uh, I think it's waning, so it's going into a full moon. But it was really low and yellow, and I mean, I got the binoculars out and was looking <laughs> at it. It was so cool. So it's always picturesque too when there's a blanket of snow on the ground. And well, this was even before the, it was just cold. It was just cold <laughs> out on Saturday. So, um, so it's going into that new moon phase. But obviously, um, by the middle of the month, we'll have our full moon, and so this is going to take place. At Riverbend Recreation Area, just meet in the parking area there by Shelter 3 in the Big Oaks area. Starts at 6.30. All ages are welcome. And so, again, we'll kind of walk the trails and hopefully be able to see the moon. We can yeah. never, you know, Mother Nature. Always depends cloudy, on cloudy. Right, the moon is there. Yeah. It'll just depends if we get to see it or not. So, again, that'll take place on Wednesday, February 16th. Okay. And I also want to kind of put out there, too, with, you know, a lot of these programs... Some are outside, some are inside. Um, and I know a lot of people, like these ones, you can just show up. Um, some things are registration. And you might go, well, I'm waiting on the weather. So for us, I guess to let you know, you know, we're we're doing programs even in, I don't want to say extreme weather, but even when it's snowy or like today schools are canceled, we're still doing programs. So for okay. us to cancel for, I guess, winter weather, um, it has to be a level two. So if it's a level two road conditions we don't want you to be out on the roads mm-hmm. and so you know now on the on the uh, side note we still have skiing though because usually if it's a level two in the winter there's good snow conditions mm-hmm. so our our ski rentals are open and our cross-country workshop learn to ski workshop still happens okay but our regular programming is canceled when it's a level two okay and then also um if we have any kind of windshield advisory i can't remember exactly what it is or for that day but if there's a windshield advisory happening obviously 
it's a little cold to be outside, even mm-hmm. when you're in layers, and it's not going to be safe, or we don't want you, even if it's something inside, we don't want you traveling. Yeah. I mean, we do it on the flip side in the summer for heat advisories. So just kind of keep that in mind of, you know, you might not want to come out and go, you know what, it's not safe. If you can call us and let you know you're coming, that's great. If not, we understand. But just know it's it's got to be, you know, okay. level two or wind chill advisory um, if it's know. not happening on on our Good to know. Good rule of thumb there. Anything else in the uh, month of February to highlight? Um, Well, we have our Little Hands Nature Club um, happening again next month, and that's going to take place on Thursday, February 24th. It's snow sense, so hopefully there will still be some snow on the ground uh, later in the month. That's going to take place out at Oakwood's Nature Preserve at 10 o'clock. It's free. You don't have to register. And this is recommended for children ages three to six with an adult companion. So, again, we'll be hopefully be able to play outside in the snow. If there is no snow, I think we're going to make snow. You uh-huh. make the fake stuff. Okay. So there'll be snow in some sense at the program, and then we'll be able to take a hike, enjoy outside. So, again, right. you know, a lot Sounds of people, I, I'd rather be out in the cold than the extreme heat. There's no mosquitoes. So the other day when it was really cold, I was trying to channel it. So when it's, you know, 88 and 80% humidity, I can channel this cold weather. There you go. And be cooler. Well, so. I've always said you you can only complain one season out of the year. Uh, I will complain in the wintertime and I will take the heat. You're the exact opposite. I will so take the cold. That's fair enough. Fair enough. I, I That's that's fair. Uh, again, Michelle Rimschlag of the uh, Hancock Park District. We have more information about all of the uh, February programs and activities, events and such at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net. Michelle, thanks very much. Thanks for having me. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks again to all of our guests for joining us on the program. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. And that, of course, is goodmornings.net. Check us out online. Coming up tomorrow on the program, once upon a time, the United States was the undisputed global leader in technological innovation and advancement. Not so much anymore. Is it too late to catch up? So until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.